All right, here we go. Welcome, everybody. Today is Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 288 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Lego Sex, Shane Himes, Morehouse Hacks, Stormwalking, and all the rest of the chat are going to be ripping through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I will be giving my opinion and analysis, which some might argue might be an expert uh, opinion or analysis on each of those stories on how you might be able to operationalize this information at work today. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, it's certainly going to do you a great service. Understanding these stories, understanding these players and uh, just kind of the macro picture of what's going on. I'm super excited. Stick with us. But before we dig into the show and shred the top cyber news stories of the day, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor, starting with my good friend Eric Taylor and the whole group over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. You know what they do to threat actors? They eat them right out of there. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. I've got their website up on the stream right now. If you can see it, you can see Eric Taylor's just poke. He's peeking out right here at the bottom. Look at Eric Taylor. I see you. Oh, you can't. Oh, it's too bad. I just zoomed in. You couldn't see it. I see you, Eric Taylor. And with Eric Taylor comes his calendar. You pick a day, you pick a time, hop on his calendar, 30 minutes, have a conversation with him. Dude, I'm telling you, you don't want to be researching fire departments when your house is engulfed in flames. You'd like to have that sorted out in advance. Believe that. Also want to say shout out and thanks to Recon InfoSec, the group behind Thursday Defensive, which stay tuned for Thursday and you'll get more info on that. But they also have a service that provides your organization with 24 seven managed detection and response, MDR. Their Their transparent MDR offering includes the people, process and technology. So the full spectrum of what you need to deliver security operations to organizations of any size, right? It very much scales up. So don't think because you're just a 30 person company and you're a one person shop running the InfoSec and IT that you can't use MDR. Uh, 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 like Newman from uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, 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 you're actually an ideal candidate because you can scale up your defensive posture at a fraction of the cost of what it would take to buy the talent, buy the tech, and by the understanding to implement it all, all right? MDR offerings are awesome, and Recon InfoSec is a sick business. It's a security company run by security people. Their MDR offering will give you direct access to the analysts, the engineers, the architects, the whole kit and caboodle of who's operating your sock, for lack of a better term. At any point you wanna dig into the details and get your hands dirty, Recon InfoSec will have you do that. You know what you don't get? An email once a week or once a day with a daily digest of all the bad stuff happening on your network. That's not useful for anyone and that's not how they roll on MDR. So if you need something like that, go to reconinfosec.com. Links in the description below. This is what their website looks like. They are SOC 2 certified now as well, if you're into that. Remember, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So it stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. Uh, be sure to confirm with your certification body that these CPEs match, but this is essentially an information security educational webinar that I host for 45 minutes every day. If that doesn't scream CPE, 
then I don't know what does, okay? If you're live, love it. Thanks for being here. I'm seeing 84 of you. Guys, I got to tell you, the 10 a.m. starts are tough on people's schedule. Um, stay tuned. I've got uh, a big reveal um, that I'll share, I guess, at the mid-roll or at the jaw-jacking period about the future of the daily cyber threat beefing. If you are on replay, thanks so much for catching the stream. You are in the future. I am in the past. But know that I appreciate you checking the stream out. Drop a hashtag team replay in the comments or any other commentary that you'd like. I do go back and hit hearts on the comments. I love going back and reading it and getting to see some of those familiar names that, you know, show up every day and uh, have just become part of the Simply Cyber community. Genuinely appreciate all of that. All right. So that's the intro. You know... I try not to I try to limit the jaw jacket in the first half of the show. So I do want to say hey to Jeff Fuller, Harish Kumar, Carrie, obviously shared the great news. Carrie knocking it out of the park with his A plus certification yesterday. Congratulations, Carrie. Keep 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 on going, man. Lay into that momentum. If you got an interview this week, crush it. If you got a job offer this week, yes you did. Kill it, kill it, kill it, crush it. All right, guys, let's slow down. Let's get into the news because I know the people who are here just for the news are like, um, I was told there would be news. So let's get into that, guys, so much. Hey, Miss Julian over on LinkedIn. Good to see you. I'll check chat out in a minute, but sit back, relax, and let the cool, <laughs> sit back, relax, and let the cool um, vibes of cybersecurity news lull you into relaxation. Let's go, people. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. LA school attack exposed social security numbers. Back in September, the Los Angeles Unified School District suffered a ransomware attack. An investigation revealed threat actors accessed a service from July 31st through September 3rd with access to contractor information. The district now notified victims this data included certified payroll records and labor compliance documents, meaning social security numbers were included in the leak. The attack used Vice Society ransomware, using attacks against a range of educational organizations. The district said it's still investigating to understand the scope of impact of leaked data on students, faculty, and parents. Yep, okay, so, I mean not not surprising okay so vice society hit la county school district uh it's taken them a while to fully uh calculate thanks cyber munchkin for becoming a member it's taken la unified school district months um remember this attack happened in july they discovered it in september it is now february the following year so it has taken them months and months and months to like you know, investigate, understand, appreciate the level of impact that's actually occurred. No surprise. Uh, a lot of sensitive information was being handled, both student records, which is, uh, you know, a FERPA thing and obviously a privacy issue. And by the way, this is in California, which has very strict privacy laws uh, at the state level. So I'd be interested to see how this gets played out. Uh, and third-party contractor records. So, you know, you, uh, you have a substitute teacher group, you have HVAC staff, you have people mowing your lawns, you've got people servicing your toilets, you got people coming in and doing consulting on your curriculum and education. All of those people's information compromised, right? So I, I hate to um, 
you know, not marginalize it, but play, play, play light of the situation. But I mean, at this point, like, you know, for me as one individual, like my social security number has been compromised like dozens of times. So like when the house, like when the house that is my identity is a raging bonfire, like throwing another log in there, it's like, okay, like, you know, and again, I'm not trying to make light of it. I do take privacy seriously, but dude, the data has been compromised. It's been compromised, right? Like rehashing and throwing another log into that fire doesn't change the intensity of the heat. It doesn't change anything. It's just like, okay, like it sucks. It sucks. So that's the deal with this. Um, Again, I mean, like this isn't a major news story unless you're working in education, right? You might want to use this as a very uh, well-publicized case study on why you guys need to invest at the state local education level. Um, if you work in sales and you're, you're targeting SLED uh, clients, that's a very specific channel. This is obviously on your radar in your slide decks, trying to make the case on why it's important. Vice Society has continued to hit education uh, sector. Uh, they're pretty nasty. They're pretty effective. Uh, I don't know if they're getting paid out or not, or if they're selling uh, exfil data. Uh, you would think since they're continuing to operate, but they're going for big fish, big game hunting. Government Accountability Office, names and shames. Since 2010, the U.S. Government Accountability Office released 335 public cybersecurity recommendations to federal agencies. Last week, it disclosed that federal agencies still need to implement 190 of them. In a long-term review of the issue, the GAO said a 2020 review of 23 civilian agencies found that none had fully implemented foundational practices of supply chain risk management, with 14 not implementing any of them. The office warned that not improving compliance could lead to disrupted mission operations, theft of intellectual property, and harm to individuals. Oh, that because that's been effective as a, as a, a deterrent. <laughs> this is... All right, so F F uh, FYI, uh, Jeremy Williams uh, with the L LOL on the only cure is more like button. I appreciate that, Jeremy. Hit that like button if you guys want. Um, okay, so here's the deal. U.S. government, Government Accountability Office sends out, hey, uh, cybersecurity best practices. Guys, we've had FISMA since 1996, I, I believe, right? Or maybe that's HIPAA. FISMA Act of 2002. So FISMA we've had since the early 2000s. It's been 20 years. That was supposed to put cybersecurity at the federal level. Now we've had NIST 800-171. We've had OPM data breach. Do you remember OPM and uh, Catherine Archuleta getting fired like wicked hard? <laughs> Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. OPM gets breached. Everybody who's ever done an SF-86 swarm, if you know, you know. Very, very involved uh application you have to fill out to get a security clearance in the US government, all of that data compromised. So when like we've had the best practices, right? And no one's doing about it. And then the government accountability office sends out like this might as well be like a stern letter coming from like a family member that you don't respect. Like here is the best practices and here's where all your problems are. And nobody did anything about it. Now, the incentive that the GAO said was if you don't do this, you could have impact to the mission. You could have sensitive information compromise. To me, this looks just like, like literally, this is a one-for-one -one mapping of a consulting agency, the GAO, going to a business 
and telling them, hey, we've reviewed your business and you've got massive issues. Now, you're not briefing the CISO, you're briefing the CEO or the CFO, the person with the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the checkbook. And they say, hey, like you've got all these problems, you should fix these things. If you don't, you could risk impact to your business operations. And they go, oh, that okay, yeah, 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 that's cute. Like, thanks, thanks, next. Like, I don't have to see you again for a year, right? For compliance purposes, yeah, okay, cool. Like, bye-bye, bye-bye. And that's essentially the same thing that's happening. These organizations, they don't feel the full impact, the full brunt of the problem until they actually suffer an incident, which is the risk you're adopting. So when you say reputational harm, business imp uh, mission operational, uh, uh, diminishing mission operational capabilities, um, sensitive information disclosure, if they do nothing, do nothing, and the next day comes and nothing happens, it reinforces the bad behavior that, yeah, we should do those things, but if we don't, there's no real problem here. So what are you talking about, Chicken Little? Okay, and this happens all the time. This right here, y'all, is an absolute perfect encapsulation of why businesses do not spend properly on defending, protecting their organization. And then when they have a breach, they spend 4X on what they would have spent to actually protect it correctly to begin with. It happens time and time again. It's a story as old as the internet. Ask Eric Taylor and Chatter, Casually Joseph, they deal with businesses that get punched in the mouth on the regular. And I guarantee you those businesses are open in their checkbooks. Please make the pain stop. Please make the bleeding stop. What's it going to cost? Money's no object. Tell me, tell me, tell me. But then you tell them here, like, you don't even have to invest anything. Just turn on multi-factor authentication, you boob. And they're like, oh, yeah, maybe next quarter. And like... So now the GAO is naming and shaming. But when you're naming and shaming a public agency, who cares? Like, I'm sorry, but with all due respect, like if they're like, oh, the Department of Agriculture has terrible passwords. The Department of Interior was just publicized a month ago for having terrible passwords across their domain. And did it, did it, did anyone sound the alarm? Did anyone lose their mind? No, it was a a puff piece story that we made fun of for 15 minutes and we moved on. So naming and shaming with all due respect, GAO, I don't see what the impact is. Like what's your, what's your end goal to like, now that you've been shamed, you really don't want to be on that list again, please, man. That This is nothing. I, it's annoying. It's annoying. It's annoying. This is why, final thing I'll say about this. This is why GRC and being able to properly communicate to the business is vitally important. It is a vitally important skill because you need to communicate that these practices are in their best interest in a way that resonates with them. If you just say, do these things, they're like, because they don't see the value in it. This is why communication is vitally important unless you get popped and then you don't need to communicate because the impact of the incident is demonstrating to the business what happens when they don't do it, right? I tried to tell, oh, by the way, you're never gonna get any value out of saying, I told you so. Like that's, erase that from your consulting playbook, okay? Business doesn't wanna hear I told you so when their house is on fire. All right. Fancy. Ransomware hits UK car dealerships. 
The ransomware organization posted data on its leak site, claiming to offer sensitive personal data stolen from one of the UK's largest car dealerships, Arnold Clark. The dealership said it discovered suspicious activity <laughs> in December, according to a January 3rd tweet, but did not say if an actual attack took place. Data on the leak site includes national insurance numbers, passport data, bank statements, finance documents, phone numbers, and addresses. No further update from the dealership since January 3rd, other than to say that it's reviewing its whole IT network and infrastructure. All right. Google okay, Mark Lester um, in chat. Mark Lester in chat. A, a perfect, a perfect analogy. Very succinct. Mark Lester in chat said, it's like the Surgeon General. I, I don't know exactly where it is, but Mark said, it's like the Surgeon General telling us that cigarettes are bad for us, but people continue cranking butts. It's like... <laughs> So uh, Play Ransomware, I'm not familiar with this group, uh, Play. So this, you know, not to say they haven't been around for a while or not, but for me, this is a new ransomware threat actor group on the scene uh, and they're targeting uh, car dealerships. I do remember a month or two ago, a car dealership getting hit with ransomware. So I don't know if this is like Play's niche that they're carving out, uh, but one of the largest car dealerships, it's just a business. Um, they'll probably still be able to sell cars. Uh, the, the real value here is, um, I would suspect, is the customer data. So for me, if I was going to steal, uh, you know, obviously ransomware, so you're going to try to get some money out of the car dealership, who has tons of money, obviously, if they're one of the largest dealerships, tons of money in order to get their business operations restored. So there's one way to make money. But to me, the real, the real value here is the customer list ranked by... Um, either value if you've done a credit check on them and you have that data stored or what they purchased, right? So sort by most expensive vehicle. So if I got this big fat whale who's buying Maseratis once a month or whatever, um, I'm going to be spearfishing that dude. Like we know that like Zuckerberg and Bezos and these, these dudes are super wealthy, but there's a lot of lower tier, super wealthy people that aren't, you know, all up in the news and, you know, they're just kind of like behind the scenes. So you could easily uh, get that list uh, from this car dealership dump and then uh, spearfish whale attack them uh, and, you know, get yourself paid. Or, I mean, if you want to go, if you want to go Hollywood, right, gone in 60 seconds, right, find out where all these cars are and then, you know, find out if you can use a flipper zero to, to steal them. Uh, do a spear phishing attack and say that you're with the, you know, the FBI and that that vehicle was reported to be in a uh, drug smuggling operation and that you need to confiscate. I don't know. Uh, you know, this is all about ransomware, but there is value for um, for the for the customer list in this instance. Google must open the Play Store in India. Back in October, the Competition Commission of India fined Google $161.9 million for anti-competitive practices on Android. It also mandated changes to the Google Play Store. Google attempted to challenge these in court. However, the Supreme Court of India declined Google's request to block these changes. As a result, India will require the Google Play Store to host third-party app stores as of January 26th. The ruling also prevents Google from requiring manufacturers to pre-install its own apps on Android devices in order to receive Play Store access and requires Google to allow the Play Store on forked Android versions. No word on how Google will implement these new requirements or deal with the security implications of allowing unvetted app stores through its platform. All right. So, um, okay. So this is complicated. 
you know, they basically touched on it at the end there. Um, Google Play Store, just like the Apple App Store, is a um, it's an app store that's native to the all the Android devices, and it's where apps are officially housed for Google Play, just like App Store is where Apple apps are officially contained. Now, <clears throat> the idea behind this is that it goes through a central um, pipeline that you can have security testing. Google is like all security, right? And they want, you know, they don't want malicious apps on their devices. It's way easier to get malicious apps into the Google Play Store. It's way easy to stick um, or sideload apps onto your Google Android devices. But, but the Google Play Store, it's where it's at. Now, India is saying that it's a monopoly, right? Like, like Google probably gets a taste. Great cash, homie. Google gets a taste of all the app sales in the App Store, probably the same way Apple does, right? So obviously Google is heavily financially incentivized to want all apps to go through them. Because of this, it's a monopoly. So now India is saying, uh, you find Google $162 million, which is not nothing, and is requiring them to allow other app stores. Now, here's the problem. Um, India's got a lot of people in their country. India has a lot of Android uh, usage. And just fun fact, I've said it on the stream before, but if you didn't know, like the market share of Android to iPhone is something stupid, like 85% Android. In the United States, we see a lot of iPhones because the United States is like the largest percentage of iPhones. But globally, Android destroys iPhones, okay? And I would suspect that India has a large Android user population, right? So there's a huge footprint there for Google to want to stay in that market versus pulling out. Now, with a third-party store, this, this is the cybersecurity thing, okay? So that's all the business thing. From a cybersecurity perspective, the second you allow other stores in there, dude, it's going to turn into malware central. If I was a threat actor, you bet your butt, I would be like, oh yeah, like I'd be licking my chops. India has like a billion people, right? Like, wait, hold on. What's the population of India? Anybody? Uh, what is the population of India? Okay. 1.4 billion people, okay? So not a bad pool to play in if you're a threat actor. So you create a store, you put some legit apps in it, and then you put a bunch of malware in it, right? Or you create a, even better, let's be enterprising. You're a threat actor, you build a store, and then you sell access to other threat actors to put their malicious apps on your store. You take a percentage of their sales or whatever. This is going to result in hot mess express all up in India. Mark my words. January 20th, 2023 is when the stories happen. By June 2023, the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, September 2023, the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is going to be talking about stores, uh, stories about Indian third-party Google app stores rife, rife with ran, uh, with malware. Okay, all right. Let's let's do the mid roll. I'm I'm running hot right now. And now a word from our sponsor, SafeBase. If a prospective customer asked about your trust program or security policies, where would you send them? Chances are you need to send an NDA, hunt down documentation, <laughs> go back and forth through email, and answer a litany of questions. SafeBase is the better way. SafeBase's Smart Trust Center allows you to send one link to customers or buyers so they can easily access the security and compliance information they need. Meanwhile, you get more control over who has access to your documents and for how long. 
Build customer trust the smart way with SafeBase. Learn more at SafeBase.com. What's up, Alana? Good Microsoft to see you sliding exp- in. You got here just in time. It's going to be a short mid-roll today, but it is uh, Tuesday Tidbits. Guys, before I get into the fun stuff, uh, if you are getting educational value, if you are getting entertainment value, heck, if you're getting educational and entertainment value, the best way to say, thanks, Jerry, way to go, is to take a moment and hit that like button. I know it can be a bit painful if you're on a mobile device. Uh, I don't know exactly how to find it. Um, if, if you spend more than 10 seconds and you can't find it, I get it. I get it. It is frictionful and a pain in the A. But it goes a long way because we're live every single morning. When you hit the like button, if we get enough of them, YouTube is like, oh, these are all cyber people watching this live stream about cyber. I'll go tell other cyber people that they might be interested in watching this. And this is how we grow the community, grow the channel. So take a minute, hit that like button. I want to thank Barricade Cyber Solutions again and Recon InfoSec again uh, for their continued support with the channel and thank all of you you like you guys that are squad members i appreciate that you know it does you know it is a financial commitment you're making to simply cyber and to me and i appreciate uh each of you for for making that uh decision and supporting the channel if you are getting value but you want to get more value check out simplycyber.io slash newsletter i'll put a link in the description here every single monday i send out an email with three actionable tasks for you. There's a link. An email with three actionable tasks, one for your end users, one for your peers, one for your executives. And basically it's straight hot information that you can leverage Monday morning at work to deliver, uh, thanks Ben, that you can deliver um, cyber risk reduction to your business or to your clients or whatever. It's huge value. So sign up, if you don't like it, thank you Phantom89. Guys, sign up for the newsletter. If you don't like it, friggin' unsubscribe. It's not a big deal. I'm, I'm, it's cool. No big deal. All right. Hey, what's up, Taekwong Gong? Good to see you. Thank you, Jeremy Williams, Omar Alvarez. I appreciate that. Guys, uh, yesterday we played World uh, Haiku Pro. Alana was there, Jenny Housley. Uh, it was a good time. I had a fun, fun stream yesterday. If you're interested in, like, playing cyber ranges or understanding how capture the flags work that's what that stream was all about hey chris paulica thanks for joining the squad all right tidbits tuesday it's a new segment where on tuesdays i share a little personal (laughs) something a little personal about me uh see if we've got something in common uh today's tidbits interesting fun fact i don't go to a lot of concerts but i used to go to a lot of concerts when i was younger and the concert, the band, the group that I have seen more in concert than any other group by a, a landslide is The Roots. I don't know if anyone else likes The Roots. Um, you guys might know uh, Questlove. He's the drummer for um, Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, uh, Jimmy uh, Fallon. But yeah, The Roots. I've seen them seven or eight times in concert. Uh, when I went to uh, University of Massachusetts Amherst in the late uh, late 90s, early 2000s, they used to play Western Mass quite a bit. So got to see a number of times. Such a great group. If you don't know the Roots music, uh, check out their early catalog. It's so good. So that's a little bit about me. 
Casually Joseph likes Tool. Yep. Yeah, the roots are so good. Uh, another little fun fact, sad fact. I love Tribe Called Quest. I found out about Tribe Called Quest like a month after they broke up. And two months before they broke up, one of their last concerts was playing UMass Amherst. I was at UMass Amherst when they played one of their last concerts, and I didn't find out about them until a month later. Like, such a, ugh. All right, let's get back to the news. Thanks, everybody. It's open AI investment. Microsoft announced a new multi-year, multi-billion dollar investment for OpenAI. Semaphore sources said earlier this month the deal could be worth up to $10 billion and could reportedly give Microsoft a 49% stake in the company. Microsoft previously invested $1 billion in OpenAI back in 2019, gaining an exclusive license for tech for GPT-3. OpenAI said the investment will allow it to continue our independent research and develop AI that is increasingly safe, useful, and powerful. Microsoft will become the exclusive cloud provider for OpenAI services. In exchange, it'll provide supercomputer assets to aid in OpenAI's research. Okay, so this is interesting. Dude, everybody's using ChatGPT. It's like literally taking the internet by storm. I think I made a... I don't know if I've made a video about ChatGPT. I've done some live streams. Um, oh, can I kick it? So good. Midnight Marauders, the entire album is a piece of art. Like, it, you have to listen to Midnight Marauders from start to finish. It is a cohesive piece of art. Oh, I love it. Okay, so back to Microsoft ChatGPT. Um, dude, ChatGPT is sick. Everybody's going to agree ChatGPT is sick. Microsoft has oodles of money. Google has owned search. Now, what I'm about to tell you is not my hot take. Cody Kinsey over at Security FWD said this on stream uh, like a week or two ago. So this is Cody's take, but I, I wholeheartedly support it and want to share it with you. Dude, Google's had dominance in the search market. Cody pointed out, he's like, Microsoft would love to unseat Google and having ChatGPT as that solution is such a sick game changer. I do not know what Google has in the world of AI or how it would stack up against ChatGPT. But like right now, if you go to Google and you type in like, um, uh, geez, like, I don't know, like, like Raspberry Pi Labs, right? You get some results and you go to a video or something like that. But if you could ask ChatGPT, like, tell me how to do a Raspberry Pi Lab. And it might say, sure, I'd love to do that. Like, what are you interested in? Like SOC analyst skills, pen testing skills, web application. What, what do you want? Oh, I'd love a web app scale. Oh, no problem. Just go ahead and fire up a Raspberry Pi, put this image on here, click this link, do this, right? Like it's the next level of, I don't even want to call it search. It's like, if you're searching for an answer, ChatGPT can eliminate that middle part and just give you the answer if it's done well and if it's done right. So this is a threat to Google's dominance, right? I mean, Google's, it's going to take a while to unseat Google, but you see what I'm saying? And dude, if Microsoft is investing $49 billion uh, or $50 billion, whatever it is, um, that means that ChatGPT, OpenAI has a $100 billion valuation. I'm just kind of curious here. Microsoft... 2022 annual revenue. How much is that? Wow. So Microsoft made a hot, holy Jesus. My Microsoft 
made $198 billion in 2022 revenue. Okay. So that doesn't cover paying payroll investments, all that other crap. Um, looks like they had $83 billion in operating income. Um, so without getting into all the economics and finances and stuff, Microsoft, it sounds like Microsoft basically took a bulk of their profit from 2022 and invested it all into chat GPT. That is a major, major decision. I'm actually kind of curious, like, again, I'm not a big finance guy or whatever, but I'm really curious how this impacted Microsoft's stock. So this is one month, um, one month. I don't see a massive shift. So December 29th, it was trading at 241. Today it's trading at 243. So, you know, acquiring 49% of ChatGPT doesn't really shake the Apple card here very much. Um, you could see Microsoft was at 293, so it's it's down 15% in the last six months. But dude, this to me is a major, major uh, decision and one that honestly I don't think is a bad one, right? Like Mark Zuckerberg going all in on the metaverse, that was kind of like a gamble, right? And that doesn't seem to be paying off very well as you know, meta is like closing up its, its metaverse projects and stuff. This seems like a safe bet. So look... Look forward, hey, look forward to your Microsoft uh, Defender or your Sentinel, right? For, for security practitioners, uh, I, I was talking about the Google for end user stuff, but from a security practitioner perspective, think about this. What if you were in Sentinel or whatever uh, Exchange Online Protection, you're doing security stuff for O365 and there's a chat client right there that can you can either ask it questions or it can take telemetry from your um, Microsoft Defender endpoints or you know agent enabled endpoints and send it to ChatGPT and ChatGPT can do tier one triage, tier one analyst work and give you a richer experience, right? Again, this isn't going to replace humans. It's just going to enable them to be better. Sliver is the new Cobalt Strike. Researchers at CyberReason published a new advisory that threat actors increasingly use the open-source Sliver C2 framework rather than Cobalt Strike. Sliver initially came out in 2020. It uses Golang for better cross-platform support and includes useful features like dynamic code generation. Overall usage numbers remain relatively low, but growing, mainly seeing usage with the Russian SVR, Cozy Bear, and the Bumblebee malware family. Like Cobalt Strike, Sliver was developed for security professionals as a pen test tool. All right, so, okay, so I mean, this is kind of a big deal. I've just dropped a, uh, I, I've just dropped a, uh, a, a poll in chat. If you're on YouTube, if people want a Chat GPT, I, I forget who just asked Joshua, maybe or uh, Jay Smith. Yeah, Jay Smith asked about getting a Chat GPT. Dude, I want to add more emotes. We have the space. I just, um, so if people want a Chat GPT emote, go ahead and vote for that. We could totally get that. Uh, I like the idea of using Hal as the chat GPT. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, Cobalt Strike has long been the darling of sophisticated threat actors and mid-tier threat actors for C2 framework. Um, couple things. Well, and Sliver's replacing it. Okay, so a couple things here. One, Sliver and Cobalt Strike are legit pieces of software. They are completely legal. I could go buy a license for it. Uh, since I have a cybersecurity consulting business, 
I don't do pen testing, but I could say I'm doing pen testing. I could go get a license, okay? And then why would I use it? Well, I attack a company and using my C2 post-exploitation framework, I'm able to manage the engagement and uh, go deeper as an APT might do it and then report or edit, whatever. So getting it uh, cracked copies or if you're Conti ransomware gang, getting a legit copy of Cobalt Strike is not difficult. And threat actors use it because it's a great product. Well, because it's been so dominant in the market for a while, um, detection tuning, SOC analysts, threat hunters, they know what to look for with Cobalt Strike. So it seems that threat, I would have to assume this is why threat actors are incentivized and in moving towards uh, a new uh, C2 framework, in this case, Sliver, another popular uh, framework that's commercial grade, uh, made by Bishop Fox, who's a well-known security company. Um, and I have to imagine the reason is it's Golang, so it's a little bit faster, right? Um, it probably has better functionality and features. Dynamic code generation, compile time obfuscation, multiplayer mode. That sounds fun. Um, so it's got better features. And honestly, it's probably... Uh, security tools are probably less familiar, less tuned for Sliver's behaviors to detect them. So threat actors at the APT level are able to uh, go undetected, be stealthy a little bit further, a little bit longer, etc. So the TLDR here is if you're a red team organization, right? If you're a professional pen tester, you may want to start considering moving to Sliver, right? Cobalt Strike's not going to like that because they're going to lose market share. But you may want to consider moving to Sliver in order to properly emulate the threat actors that your clients are, might be attacked by. So that's one thing. The second thing, if you're a SOC analyst, you may want to look at Sliver's behaviors and begin testing or tuning your controls in order to ensure. If you're purple teaming, this is a great opportunity to do very specific, precise attacks using, well, not attacks, but um C2 post-exploitation, you're already attacked. Like it's more like lateral movement, uh, data exfil and stuff like that. But set up a use case testing, like using Sliver, do exfil, using Sliver, do lateral movement and see if your tooling is catching it and seeing it. And if it's not, how, how to tune, okay? Just some best practices. Also, if you're interviewing somebody, I, I get DM so often, I, I apologize. I forget who I talk to. I, people ask me questions all the time and I just answer them. I don't, I don't remember their names and stuff like that. But uh, someone just messaged me yesterday at some, on some platform and was like, oh, I've got a SOC analyst interview. Um, any suggestions or whatever? And I sent him the SOC analyst question and answer interview video that I've done that's helped a lot of people. But this right here, this is an awesome opportunity. When you're in a SOC analyst interview, like SOC analyst one or whatever, entry level, if you mention... First of all, if you mention C2 post-exploitation frameworks, that's going to get you a gold star. But if you mention that just you're noticing recently or that you've read recently that threat actors are moving from Cobalt Strike to Sliver for reasons, that would be very, very interesting to a SOC manager. To that, to a SOC manager, that means that you're staying informed on what's going on and you would be mindful to know the difference between Cobalt Strike and Sliver and what C2 is and post-exploitation and what to look for and the fact that you're staying current in the market to know that this has just changed. 
huge gold star. This is one of those things that like, I can't promise you every episode is going to have nuggets like this, but I mean, I guess casually, Joseph, you're a sock analyst, uh, Eric Taylor, if you're in here, although he's probably asleep right now, like if someone dropped this knowledge in an entry level interview, what would, what would be your reaction? I, to me, I'd be impressed. So, so do that if, in an interview. Google ads invites abused for spam. Blibby computer shared user reports of oh, the practice. Shit. Spammers send out legitimate Google ad invites, which appear from an authentic account and invite the user to gain access to the account's admin interface. However, the spammers found a way to redirect these links to adult dating websites that try to collect personal information. Because the attackers send these as legitimate Google ads emails, users can't simply designate them as spam or block the address. This address is used for all Google ads emails, so it could result in real messages getting lost. Are you joking me? Routers can see. Dude, I didn't know this. So now Google sells advertising, not just for Google search, but they can deliver emails into your inbox and, and make it so you can't like report them. Okay, so Google's saying they actually have policies against them that you can report it. Um, yeah, see, it says it doesn't do anything if you report them as spam because they've literally bought the opportunity. Um, they've bought the opportunity to get in your inbox. Um, yeah, this is unfortunate, man. I mean, Google Ads is one thing, but... Um, Hold on, am I misreading this? User around the world are reporting receiving emails from authentic Google Ads account that are catching their attention. Invite emails sent from Google service, mails sent from official. A few weeks back. I don't get it then. This has to do more with like the Google Ads administration account. I mean, it, it sends you to a malicious website. That's the TLDR, but it's confusing to me. It's confusing to me whether or not this is attacking end users or Google ads administrators. Um, I mean, anyways, best practice, right? Like be careful of what you, what you click on and what you get um, in email. That's just a general best practice. This, this story kind of threw me for a loop there for a second. Through walls. Researchers at Carnegie Mellon published research showing how two Wi Fi routers could be used to sense humans through walls, able to distinguish 3D shape and general pose. This used a deep neural network called Dense Pose, which mapped Wi Fi signal strength to coordinates. Dense Pose does not represent the breakthrough here. The software has been out there for a while. Rather, it's using a cheap off the shelf router as a 1D sensor to capture this data. Typically, Dense Pose use RGB cameras, LiDAR, and radar. The researchers propose the tech for home health care and other benevolent use cases, but it doesn't take much to consider the privacy implications. If there's one... Yeah, definitely uh, interesting. Let me go ahead and spin up some music. Uh, definitely some interesting privacy implications. I mean, I, I do like the idea. Basically, they're using radio. Um, my understanding is radio and then endpoints on people to be able to use essentially like sonar or echo location to identify a human. Uh, it, this is academic research, so it's not ready for prime time yet. But I will say, um, if you're 
Say you're like uh, you're responsible for like an elderly parent or something like that, and you're at work, and the parent falls down, and they're just like laying there, and they don't have the help. I've fallen and I can't get up button on their neck. Like that could be scary for them. Uh, so if you're running this type of thing, maybe you could see uh, that they're they've fallen down, right? You get a uh, and get an alert somehow. I could also see it. I mean, law enforcement has way more powerful technology than this, but you could also you know, like find people in a burning, like say there's a, a World Trade Tower, a World Trade Center type situation. You could quickly activate this thing to find where people are in the fire or in the smoke and or see if a room has been cleared instead of running into it to visually clear it yourself. So there are some righteous applications here, but obviously um, if you're say like, I'll just choose the most, uh, you know, obvious scenario you're a single woman li living in a in an area where you don't have uh, you just moved to a new area and you're in your house and it's got like nine rooms or something like that and a threat actor is able to quickly like scan the house and find that you're in the room on the second floor in the middle and then they just like directly come right for you or they identify that there's no one else in the house besides you so there's very creepy very uh concerning applications here but um I don't know. I feel like you'd have to really, actually, I guess nothing's out of the realm of possibility these days, but I feel like you'd have to really have like a whole tech stack and stuff like this. This isn't like a movie where you just like walk up and like launch an app and point it at the house. And it's like, they're in that room, you know? So interesting. Got to remember, dude, radio permeates walls, permeates buildings, permeates vehicles, permeates bodies. Uh, radio is a really interesting, really interesting thing. It's very easy to go slip slipping down the hill though when it comes to radio you get into like rf engineering and like these these like graphics that do crazy stuff that's that's beyond me all right that's gonna do it for today's stream i'm looking at the chat right now gonna end the poll guys looks like we're getting a chat gpt emote i'll try to have a couple options for you guys tomorrow on worldwide wednesday i do like the how one i do like the how one honestly that's a pretty cool one all right, guys, uh, I got a call with Miss Jax Scott here in just a moment, so I'm not going to be able to do so much jaw jacking, but I do want to thank all of you for being here today. I hope you enjoyed uh, the stream. Like I said, if you got value, hit the like button. If you want to be notified when I go live, which I do every single day, um, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, I think. That's what you're supposed to do. Ring my bell. Oh, what's the big surprise, Harish Kumar? Okay, so I was going to, I'll have to, I'll remind everybody about this in the coming months because it's, it's not, it's so far away that it's not really going to resonate with anyone. And I know that my California posse, my left coast uh, franchise folks, you're not going to like this, but I, I've requested that the fall semester at the Citadel, and it's been granted, that I will teach the 9, 15 to 10 30 class so effectively starting um well after this semester is over the spring semester that i'm currently teaching so like by june the daily cyber threat briefing will always be at 8 a.m eastern time uh the the impediment has been this teaching at, at 8 a.m on tuesday thursday i've moved it forward so i'll just do the so i'll basically do the cyber threat briefing every morning at 8 a.m. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll shut down and go to the Citadel and teach. Um, so that's the big news. You'll have some continuity in life. I, I see I see in here, and it's very disruptive when I do it and when I don't do it. So to make it easy for everybody, I will just always do 8 a.m. I'm a, 
a leader who serves. And to me, this is the best way to serve you guys without actually impacting my life. I'll still be able to teach. Uh, so everybody wins. I know, Casey Gaska. I had you in mind. You, Poner Joe, and Nick Barker. Uh, I'm trying to find a good sound emote for you. Um, I don't know. Left coast. Hold on. Left coast people. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, guys. I got to boogie out of here. Be good, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks so much. This has been the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Gerald Lozier. Episode 288. Be good. Until next time, stay secure.